everyone, and welcome back to the Crash Couch. We're here to talk more of the Expanse as we are rounding out season two. I think we have what two more episodes after this, and we're done. Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Thirteen, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't believe the season's almost Coming over. Coming to a close pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I have. Uh, I, I'm your host, Chris, and I have. Um, my wonderful, wonderful, brilliant co-host with me. Where? Is he Where? trying to butter us up? I... Oh, is he talking about us? Yeah. Oh, he must want something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I want you guys to be nice to me at Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, especially after yeah. our little conversation on Random Chatter just now. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Star Wars Celebration Orlando, the big Star Wars convention that will be uh, going on next week. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, so how are you going to handle posting this stuff if you're going to be in Orlando? Uh, well, well, I was actually going to uh, discuss that briefly. Um, so next week, obviously, we're not going to be here, so there will be no live tweet. For the oh. episode, yeah, I know. Unless uh. I can con someone into watching live and doing it for me, but probably not. Um, I wonder if Carrie would be able to. Well, she's on the west. Well, she is on the west coast, so we maybe we'll. I'll ask her. I'll have to ask her. We'll see. We we might have something we can work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we don't tweet East Coast, do not be surprised. Um, that's just because. We're going to be doing a lot of other convention stuff on Wednesday, and I will not be around a TV. But we will hopefully, assuming I can get these two together to record uh, this weekend, um, we will have an episode posted um, at our normal time, 11 o'clock Eastern, on Wednesday night. So, Because I can just queue that up to post automatically. If that's something you guys are okay with doing. We don't want to uh, disappoint our listeners now, do we? I think so. I think, I'm fine no, with I think it's something we can do as far as disappointing our <laughs> listeners. I, I'm ambivalent <laughs> either way. I, I don't. No, we uh, can definitely do that. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, next week, no live tweet, but we will have an episode, so don't worry about that. And before we get into uh, tonight's discussion, I do want to congratulate all of the expanse crew uh the season one finale leviathan wakes was nominated for the best dramatic presentation short form hugo award nice yeah just announced that today in fact so nice for those who don't know the hugo awards are uh, kind of a big deal yeah in, in, the, science in the fiction awards. world yes yep and i think that's excellent uh thinking back to that episode i can definitely see it yeah. And I would not be surprised if something from season two gets the same honor as well. You know, it's funny because I keep uh, trying to get people interested in watching The Expanse and uh, I've got my wife has started it. Um, my mom was here for uh, when I was traveling last month. She was here watching our son. And uh, one of the few times I was here at home, um, I had her sit down and watch it had a few other people on it and I keep it's not that I want to apologize for the first episode but it's like I want to make sure they're hooked enough to keep watching I'm like it, it, it gets better there's more stuff coming and it, and it ramps up and it's like really awesome they're like yeah no this was great I'm like mm-hmm. yeah yeah but that's just the first episode you got to see all the other stuff 
And I, I think sometimes I don't give Leviathan Wakes that I, I don't give that first episode credit uh, where it's due. Um, well, I, I want to really strong episode. I want to correct you and say Leviathan Wakes is the finale. Right. No, I, I caught that in. in yeah, I don't remember what the uh, the pilot episode was titled, but I was I was thinking Leviathan Wakes as the beginning of the books, and then I'm oh, like, no, okay. I meant the TV series. Mm. And but like that first episode is uh, it it's a really strong episode in and of itself. Yes, it is for sure. Now you know uh, I I didn't prepare this, but I guess I should probably talk about it. Uh, I got a little package in the mail. From the fine folks at uh, Sci-Fi over the weekend. Um, did you guys see the picture that I put in the general chat on Slack? I did, and I'm very jealous. <laughs> I did, and I too am very jealous. Yeah, so uh, they sent me a uh, a fedora hat like uh, Miller wears, and a little card that has his face on it, and it says, "The stars are better off without us, but not without Miller." Rest in peace, Detective Joe Miller. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but and- you were definitely very stricken with Miller's passing. Lou and I have yes. had a few years now to get used to it. So I, I think it's only appropriate that that you would get something to help ease the suffering a little bit. Yeah. And then the the inside of the um, around the rim of the hat says space fedora of justice. Which <laughs> I think is fitting. That's cool. <laughs> Nice. So, but Chris, you don't even wear a fedora. No, I don't. Uh, I he's gonna, he's gonna now. But, well, the sad thing is, it's a small, so it doesn't fit my head. Oh no! So, uh, yeah. Oh well. That's okay. We'll, we'll package it up and, and send it to to someone deserving of it. <laughs> Dear eBay bidder. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I I was really, really happy that I got that. So thanks to um, the crew at Sci-Fi for sending me that. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. It'll be a nice display item. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So why don't we get on to talking about this week's episode? You guys ready for that? This was awesome. Yes. I was just about to say that... um, I know I say this every week, but this was another favorite. <laughs> I don't agree with you every week. Like I, I value each of the episodes, each of the episodes, even the ones that are just kind of maneuvering the chess pieces into place all have great value. And I love seeing how the maneuverings happened. Um, we've talked before, you know, at being a fan of the books, I love seeing how it differs from what I'm expecting. But to me, there are still some episodes that really stand out as powerful episodes. And to me, this is one of those episodes. This is a very powerful uh, episode that I I think this is one of the strongest episodes this season. Easily. Yes, definitely. Lou, what about you? I would have to agree. I mean, I think there's some good performances from everybody involved. Um you know, we're getting more and more of the story, and I, I can't wait to see what happens next. I can't wait to see how this story unfolds uh, in the next two episodes coming up. Uh, and, and like you, I mean, I think every episode does improve on the last one, which, you know, to me makes these next two episodes coming up even that much better because now 
I'm assuming they're going to raise the bar in the next two episodes, so we're going to get better and better and better. Yeah. Now, I don't know what it was about this episode, but something about it, I don't know if it was like the way it was edited, but each plot line, I feel like, like when they would go from, say, um, the things with maybe Bobby and then move on to what was going on, going on with Holden, I feel like each scene kind of ended on not a cliffhanger, but it, it ended with a little bit of tension that made you want to see what happens next. And I think that's something that wasn't always evident in the first season. So, and I, I finally caught on with this one. And I think that they have started to do that all this season, which is why it's, it's been a little bit more intriguing as far that's as not like each episode being um, like that. There's no boring parts of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I, I think that's a really interesting observation. I think that in the first season, what happened is you'd have one storyline that was a little more intense while another storyline was building Yes, in parallel. And then you got a break in the first storyline and that second storyline that had been building, then that one gets intense. While the first one is kind of taking a breather and maneuvering the pieces around. And then when you got the two uh, storylines culminating and, and combining together, then things kind of... Uh, started going in a little bit differently in that regard. And in this time around, what we're seeing with this episode is the two parallel storylines are both intense simultaneously. So you're yeah. able to cut back and forth between intensity and intensity and intensity. And uh, even more so than earlier in the season. But I think that's a really astute observation is we are now at the point where each of these storylines, um, Avasarala and Bobby and the political tensions or the more personal story of what's going on with Holden and, uh, you know, trying to find a little girl and everything. You've got intensity paralleling one another instead of uh, kind of tag teaming yeah. in and out. And so that's something that I think that this season um, is something that's been very unique when it comes to the pacing as opposed to season one, which had really good story development and they tagged, they did that tag teaming really, really well. I thought it was pulled off flawlessly, but this time around you've got both going simultaneously and, and that really ups the intensity level a lot. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if it was, um, I, I don't know if it's just the, the particular storylines itself, but just just something about them makes it it makes me want to i don't want to say read the books because i feel like that's obvious <laughs> but it just it makes me like more intrigued about like the universe itself and it makes you want more yeah yeah and i again i didn't want to just default to well i'm going to read the books because obviously that's i feel like that's a goal of really any strong adaptation is that you want to right. go read the lore behind it. But, um, I, but that's I fin- good. Yeah. I, I finished this episode and I immediately wanted the next one, but it wasn't available yet. <laughs> but again, that says something about the quality of the writing on this show. The fact that 
every time there's a new episode, even if it's an episode that isn't destined to become a fan favorite down the road necessarily, even if it is more of a transition episode, which is necessary in any TV series, this is a testament to the writing on this series that it keeps making you want more. It makes you want to, um, to investigate, yeah, to totally. learn more about the world building. And right now, the only way to do that really is the books. Uh, but it, it leaves you yearning. It leaves you hungry. And that is exactly the way it should be. And yep. that's one of the things I love about this show and, and the level of quality that it brings to the table. And it's something that that's sad because other TV shows should be doing this too. We shouldn't have to talk about this. Like it's something that's so unique to the expanse because it should be across the board. Shows should be doing this and they're not. Yeah. And it, it's sad that we don't have more shows of this level of quality, but if we're going to have a show with this level of um, thoughtfulness and attention to detail and hard work, really at the end of the day, I'm glad that it's with the expanse. I'm glad that it's with a, a property that's already inherently interesting. Yeah, for sure. So while we get into the episode proper now, um, I, I, I figured that we can start with uh, the whole Bobby thing because that's obviously a, a big step forward for her and then move into Holden since he kind of closes out uh, the final few minutes of the episode. So... Yeah, Bobby turned, sort of, uh, on Mars. <laughs> Bobby turned. You make, okay, so she's you not think? a zombie. She's not a, <laughs> a, a proto-beast. I mean, yeah, that's an ominous way to put that, Chris. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a, the, the proper way to say. I mean, the, the fact that she... Because we saw how gung-ho she was about Mars. And yeah, she had a little bit of... Uh, hesitation here and there in the early episodes, but for the most part, she was like pretty much all dug in. Mm-hmm. Um, even when, uh, she was first being interrogated, uh, when they were having the UN and Mars meeting, um, you saw how she was quick to, even though she had a little bit of a lapse, she was quick to go back on, uh, the statement that Mars wanted her to say. But now, the fact that she is willing to um, really betray her uh, commanding officer, beat him up, and then go to uh, the uh, Earth forces immediately. That that shows really interesting character development, not just for her herself, but um, it, it kind of goes to show, well, she was so steadfast about her... Uh, commitment to Mars and then now it's just suddenly it's suddenly broken. Um, and I, I don't, don't want to really say suddenly because it, it took a few episodes to get there, but right. um, I think it's, it's pretty, it's fascinating character development, but you see, I don't think she turned per se and, and hear me out on this. You have to be careful when you're creating a soldier because you're trying to preach integrity and loyalty. And those are, are two of the most fundamental qualities of a good soldier. But at some point, integrity and loyalty can become diametrically opposed. 
So if you're going to create a soldier and you're you're going to embed them with integrity and loyalty and make them, um, you know, worship at that altar, so to speak, you better make sure that you've got integrity yourself. Yeah. And that's where they failed. So she had uh, a very important decision to make. She had to choose between integrity and loyalty. And so she chose integrity. And so I think, you know, either choice, it wasn't so much her. I, I know what you're getting. I'm, I'm nitpicking over semantics here. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest, well, but I, I think that it's, it's really that she could have chosen either one and it would have been consistent with her character because she has been building up to this point where because there's corruption going on in the organization that she belongs to, she has to choose either to be loyal to it or to maintain her own personal integrity. You know, you could also make a case for the fact that she is still defending Mars and still on the side of Mars, thinking that maybe, you know, the superior officer that she, you know, tangled with is making decisions that are bad for Mars. And she is trying to do the right thing. That's that's very important. Yeah, because it's not that she doesn't love Mars. Right. It, it's that there's corruption going on and she wants to see that excised right. so that and, Mars and, you know, can go back to being what it should be. Yeah, and we've seen that same kind of theme in other shows, other genres where, you know, especially in military, someone has defected or done to the other side because they're trying to do the right thing for saving their own country or their own, you know, political regime. We've seen it in real life. Yeah, even in our own country, I mean, if you you look back at uh, the whole McCarthyism stuff, I mean, there there are, I mean, even if you want, I think that's a, a less controversial example than than some others that some people would mm. give. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a, an important distinction between the people and the country. Yeah. Now, another observation that I had was, I feel like for the first time, and I can probably be incorrect in saying this or a little, maybe a premature is a better choice of word there but I feel like for the first time we're seeing Mars as more of the the people we should be possibly characterizing as a villain yeah well yeah I mean Which they're setting it up that way that. yeah I mean they're really setting it up that way to really paint them as the bad guy in this picture. And it's kind of, you know, now now we're all in Bobby's shoes as far as what we're thinking. I mean, we know what we've seen on screen from, you know, uh, the service of Ganymede and the monster. And it's at odds with what she's being told. We know how she, you know, hated Earth from the beginning of when we saw her. So now to have her do what she does at the end of this episode and go over to the UN side, it's like, wow, this must be really powerful for her to do that because she hated, she wanted to invade Earth <laughs> when we first met Bobby, you know? Right. So, so to go from that kind of level of, of fierceness and hatred, uh, you know, maybe hatred is the wrong word, but that sort of fierceness to where she ends up, that really shows a big character development on her part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I I feel like, uh, Lou, you and I talked about this a little bit offline when we were talking about how things have, have differed from the books a little bit. I like the fact that so far in this series, 
you have Earth, you have the Belters, and you have Mars. And the Belters are victims. I mean, they are, like it or not. That's mm-hmm. they are. Um, they do not need to be resorting to terrorist activity per se. So they're not good guys. At least that portion of the Belters aren't. Um, but Belters on the whole are not bad guys. Earth. We can relate. We live here. You know, it's easy to get on the side of Earth. Yet uh, Earth hasn't exactly been uh, without sin here either. Earth mm-hmm. is not the good guys. And then Mars. Also not the good guys. But I kind of feel like they, the show hasn't made any moral judgments one way or the other against any of uh, of the different governments. And I yeah. kind of feel like they're really painting Mars as the bad guys, even though, again, we're looking at a group of people, a group of Martians who are causing the problems, not Mars as a whole. Yeah. But it's different when you're looking at Earth and you've got uh, Mao, who is kind of masterminding the things going on, because that's not Earth's government. That's a businessman. But now with Mars, we've got people actually in their military, which is part of their government. So it, it feels a little bit more. But we like, don't know where it's coming from, though. We don't know if this is coming from the top, if it's coming from, you know, whoever the ruler of Mars is. I don't know if it's a president or, a you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't know if it's coming from there, if this is just a military thing. It's just a rogue arm of the military doing these experiments that the right. powers that be don't really know about. Mm-hmm. But as a viewer, it makes it easier to side with Earth and side against Mars. And I kind of liked that feeling of not really being sure that anybody was worth siding with or that someone should be sided with above someone else. Like I liked that the the very, yeah. very realistic moral ambiguity of um, See, not having to there. choose a side. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't chosen a side yet. I think I'm still there where we were, where you were last episode, Eric. I think that, you know, they haven't really painted the fact that, you know, all Martians are bad. It's just right. there's something going on here. It's a conspiracy, and I know that I, I want to dislike um, whoever her commanding officer is there. I can't remember his name now. Um, I want to dislike him in the in the project that's going on. But I don't just like all Martians. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's a, I, I think it's a rogue element within the within the government. You know, uh, Lou, you bring up a good point, um, and I'm actually thinking back to last episode when we're really not, or kind of the last two episodes actually, when we're not supposed to be liking um, what's his name, Aaron Wright. Like I, I feel like he is the equivalent to that like the Martian badness and the Martian arrogancy mm-hmm. is the earth equivalent. And maybe it's, it's cause looking back now, I guess maybe it's, it, this episode was really more about striking a balance between the two and saying, well, you know, maybe last week you didn't really like what earth was doing, but now this week you see some Mars stuff you don't really like. So I, I guess it, now, you know, now that we discuss it a little bit more, it's a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I see that. Do you agree with that, or? Um, I guess so. I mean, 
I'm like you, Lou. I, I still have not really chosen a side, and who knows, maybe I won't by the end of this uh, conflict, whenever it comes. But I, I still think it's, um, you know, maybe maybe we are supposed to just be pushed one way a little bit, but then something will happen that will push it the other way. Uh, who knows at this point. But I, I am glad that Bobby um, did what she felt was right and went to Earth uh, and their government. So I'm really interested to see um, how that plays out going forward. I, I like the fact that she uh, said that she's not a soldier anymore. That that intrigued me. Because I, at least from my perspective when it comes to her character, um, don't get me wrong, I love the military side of her, but seeing her walk around Earth, um, and you know, she, uh, took her hair out of the bun and just let it hit her shoulders. I think that was a, that was a represent, representation of the character that I was happy to see, but also one that I, I felt not really connected with, but, um, one that I wanted to see play out a little bit more. And the fact that we got, um, the, the conclusion of that portion at the end of last week, um, now that we're, she's not really like that anymore. I, I think, um, maybe, maybe we'll start to see more like a different side of her. Mm-hmm. Well, once you become a soldier though, you, you don't really, I mean, she's not a soldier, but personality wise, she still is. Oh yeah. Her, the, the basis for her decision making, um, the basis for her moral decisions, she is still a soldier at heart, even if she mm-hmm. is no longer soldier at rank. Yeah. So, yeah, the the statement she made is very powerful. But then we're also going to see, and her character will develop and it will change as a result of this. But I think we're still going to see that this is still the Bobby that we've seen so far, just in different circumstances and having to make decisions with different considerations than she's used to. So she's yeah. going to be forced to change now, but we're going to see the Bobby of old now morph into something else that, you know, even she doesn't know what that's going to be yet. Yeah, exactly. So why don't we move on now to the, uh, Holden storyline. Um, well, I say, I say the Holden storyline mainly just because he's the, the leader for the lack of a better word, but right. Um, I liked this one too. Uh, I don't know if it was the, the setting or, um, just the way the tone of their surroundings was, but I loved it. It made me kind of feel like I was watching this, um, not military sci-fi movie, but kind of like a, a thriller, a sci-fi thriller at times. Just because you know they're walking around with guns and they're on they're on the hunt for something, and um, in this case being uh, Prax's little girl, and it eventually blows. Well, it boils up to their confrontation with those people in that room. And I want to ask you guys: um, I was when this happened, and they had the, the firefight, uh, and they made a little bit of a discovery about what, um, uh, Strickland, it is Strickland, right? The doctor. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Um, 
what he was doing with uh, the children, I was a little confused about that whole scene. Um, I liked it, but I was a little confused because I remember when they went into the uh, like they, they he found uh, the girl's backpack, and then he looks into that um, the incinerator room. And then he, he sees uh, a body that has apparently been infected with um, protomolecule on it, and then they burn it. Um, had Holden not said, well, two things. One, had they not said that uh, that wasn't Prax's little girl, or two, that she was infected with protomolecule, had they not said that, I might have not got it at first. Yeah, I mean, you had no way of knowing whether that was Praxis a little girl or not until Prax said it. Yeah. And it was just, it wasn't an odd scene, and I, I'm not critiquing it. It was just, maybe upon first, first watch was a little confusing for me. So I'm, I'm glad that they said that. Yeah, they kind of left it a little open. The implication was there that it could have been her. Mm-hmm. Or it might not have been her. And the fact that they were kind of playing around with the timeline a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, that kind of, you know, that that made things a little more complicated as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm with you. Like, I, I was watching that, and you expect, you know, you open the lid, you get an answer. That's what we're used to as television viewers. And we didn't get that this time around. We opened the lid, and... We're like, okay, this is supposed to be an answer. Is it an answer? Yeah, it, it's, it probably is an answer. We just don't know what that answer is yet until someone explains to us what the answer is. And then once we got the explanation, we're like, oh, okay, okay so there's the answer. Yeah. But, I mean, that's – it's something we're not used to in that presentation, but it's exactly what Holden was experiencing. So I like the fact that they presented it that way because that's what everyone on the team except except Prax was feeling, okay? This is somebody, this is somebody who's not who they used to be. Is this who we're looking for? Mm-hmm. And whether it is or isn't, we also now have a, a biohazard emergency as well that we have to deal with. So I like their, I think it was a bold choice because I think that when, when you use storytelling methods that TV viewers are not used to, it throws people off. Mm-hmm. And the people who are not willing to look outside the box, a lot of times they see that as a turnoff and, and yeah. sometimes literally turn it off. And so that's a risk. But I think it's a risk that it was bold and it was correct. I, I think that was the right way to present that aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. And I should probably clarify that um, – you know, you make a good point, Eric, about the, uh, that we're so used to so many TV shows doing the same kind of formula with the way they present things. And the fact that the expanse is not always, and well, actually not really usually following the, that typical formula uh, is a reason why, one, I love the show so much, and two, why I keep coming back to it. So I guess the fact that it does, do this thing of it leads me leaves me a little bit confused is essentially a good thing maybe maybe that's a little a little bit on purpose 
Does that make could sense? Could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, but I think that's smart though, because if you're, it's a delicate line to balance mm-hmm. because you don't want to lose people. There's a difference between being confused and being lost. Yeah. Being confused is okay if you're able to recover quickly enough and being confused makes you want to become unconfused. And so it makes you invest in the question. So now aside from investing in characters, which is about being able to relate to those characters as people, now you're investing in the plot itself. Yes. But you don't want to stay confused for too long. So, again, the, the writers have a very delicate line to balance there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little bit of a ballsy move. But if you do it well, it pays off. And fortunately for us and the other viewers, it has been done well so far. Yeah, definitely. So should we go into the, like the last, the last scene here? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So, I thought this, this this was my favorite part of the episode. Um, as much as I loved Alex talking to the ship like it was a person, <laughs> um, I, this was hands down my favorite uh, set of events in the episode. The end. Um, I I loved the the suspense of walking through the next door, walking down to where the uh, that something was in the glass. Um, I, I loved that, that suspense factor. Um, and then not really knowing what was going on, uh, all the way up until, um, they talk to that lady and then she dies and then they see something running out in the middle of space with no vac suit. And, uh, then they discover that, um, Alex has rejoined them. Um, and then they're splitting up which I don't know how I feel about. <laughs> of course. So, yeah. You're not supposed to like that. They do that to us on purpose and I, I like it and I hate it at the same time. Yeah. So I'm going to throw the mic to Lou because he's been a little quiet and <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get his thoughts on uh, the, these last few minutes here. Um, I, I thought it was powerful. I mean, I was very impressed with what they did in the end the ending the ending shot of the episode was just like, oh, whoa, you know. I mean, it really, it really rocked my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a very bold choice. It was a very interesting way to handle this. Um, and, and as I said before, and, and at the risk of you know bringing up the books again, and and this is something that I can't wait to talk about once we can talk about the books in the show together and contrast them because there's some severe differences we're getting now. Um, in who these characters are, how they're getting there, and, and, and what's going on. I mean, up until now, I've been cons- I've just been very much gliding along, thinking, okay, we're taking a different path to get to the same end. Now we're almost taking stopping, getting to a different car, driving for another bit, and coming around and maybe going back to the same point again at the end. But we're getting there entirely differently now. Um, I mean, characters are different. The plot lines seem to be a lot different. Um, so I, I can't wait till you read the books, Chris. I can't wait till we can talk about this in the off season. Um, I'm very excited about that and the implications of what the TV show is doing and and what we're going to get. Yeah. What about you, Eric? What's the question specifically? <laughs> Just what you thought about the the last few minutes of the episode when they came up on the discovery I thought that it- something had jumped out of the 
glass case. Yep. I, I thought that the, the end of this episode was perfect. I, I think that they gave us the right amount of reveal while holding the right amount back to make us, uh, to make us yearn for the next episode. I mean, we've kind of come full circle to, to back what we were discussing at the opening of, of this podcast episode, kind of uh, the yearning for what's coming and what's next. They did it just perfectly with, with the ending here. Yeah. Um, you know, Lou and I used to do a podcast for lost and say what you will about the ending of the show. The show was brilliant at keeping people invested in what was going on and they wanted to investigate different fan theories and stuff like that. But again, there was a a very delicate line of, you know, giving reveals that made sense and yet still presenting new questions for us to seek, uh, to seek answers about. And the reveals that made sense, uh, lost didn't always deliver that well. (laughs) Yeah. The expanse on the other hand, like so far, and I loved Lost, but so far we haven't had quite the the same level of, I don't want to say silliness or goofiness with Lost, but I don't feel like we've been hit by things out of left field that were, are just completely like off the reservation. Like everything that yeah. you get, it's, it's a reveal. It makes sense. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. But now what about this? So it's a natural progression of the storyline that makes sense. And the end of this episode epitomized that we got reveals and we have more questions and we're like, well, holy crap, how are they going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought the ending of this episode was flawless. I will say I'm a little and I alluded to this earlier. I'm a little sad that they are splitting up. Um, I'm hopeful that that's not permanent, but (laughs) uh, but um you know the the way that it's set up makes me feel like it's it's going to be they're going to uh, be apart for longer than they think. Um, and, I, and I don't know if that's true or not, but that that's just my prediction. Um, mm. I, I I thought the the moments between Holden and Naomi were really really well done. Um, I think Dominique and Steven do. Honestly, I, I think they do a more than excellent job at um, portraying those two characters, especially when they have those intimate moments. Um, I think this is a relationship that is, it's not designed to um, to not work, uh, but it's, you, you can definitely see where if you don't have the right people portraying those mm-hmm. actors, then it, it will look uh, clunky and not very natural. Um, yep. It, it's one of the few times I think in television that we've seen relationships under stress that don't feel like oh, they're just trying to make a romantic part of it. Out yeah. of it you know, it, right. it, it feels like it's a real relationship under real stress and in real conditions. Um, not just that, you know, oh, well, these two characters came through the ringer. They should kiss now. You know, it's. Yeah. It, it, it's actually very refreshing to have this kind of, a, you know, this level of writing. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's not the Han and Leia moment at the end of Empire Strikes Back. It, it's, it's instead, it, it's like, I don't want to say it's awkward, but it was kind of an awkward kiss. It's like, we disagree. We, 
we have different things we want to be doing here and they're not in sync with, with each other, but I know I'm not going to change your mind and you're not going to change my mind. And, and so mm-hmm. we part ways here. Like it's, yeah, there, there was nothing romantic about it. And yet there was something that was intimate about it as well. Yep. That, I think that's a perfect way to say it, Eric. Um, as, as far as the, the team splitting up, uh, I mean, we're not supposed to be comfortable with it. That that's kind of the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it makes us more invest. Uh, I think it makes us more invested in the plot and, and what's going to happen next and all the more anxious for next week's episode. Uh, I, as far as how long it's going to be, I mean, we can't even really give you any spoilers anymore from the books because, uh, we don't know anymore. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. We're way off reservation. Yeah. Uh, and we've already had a little bit of a, a separation with Alex. Uh, yeah. And, well, you know, and not to change the topic here, but speaking of Alex, this is one of the first times in the series that I get the sense of something that didn't quite fit with the whole physics and how realistic everything is. That whole slingshot thing he did with the Rosante. Yeah. yeah. Did you read the article? No. Oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> go to DanielAbraham.com. And look for an article called Guest Post, Losing Science in Drama and Finding Drama in Science. This is a guest article written by um, Naren Shankar, who is uh, an executive producer and showrunner. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the scene with the slingshotting and stuff like that. I'm just going to read a little bit here. You really need to go and read the entire article. Yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, this is awesome. Um, the sequences are quite beautiful, well acted and nicely directed. And the visual effects are gorgeous, particularly the the immersive holographic orbital trajectories of the Jovian moons, which are all scientifically accurate. At least I hope they are. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's also utterly preposterous. <laughs> OK. And then so he breaks down. Me. OK, good. No, 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 absolutely. You're right. And it, it was so it took place so quickly. You're like, wait a minute, how did he get that far out to then come back in and do all the slingshotting? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. And, you know, even before the slingshotting happened, when I saw him, you know, talking to the computer and doing the whole holographic thing and everything, I was like, okay, that's not going to work because this is going to take months to do this. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, we're going to do it in five minutes. Okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, it looks like really the whole thing like took perhaps an hour. And, and so that's addressed in this as well. Naren, uh, Okay. Talks about the the time passage, um, and then he talks about uh, why it happened that way. Basically, he said, you know, as we're reviewing stuff, and, and by the time he's able to focus on this particular shot and the sequence, and understood why it wasn't really going to work the way they'd hoped, the visual effects team they were already working on on stuff like they they were committed to this shot. It was too late. Mm. So, um, but he does go and explain what he would have done with an alternate sequence and how it should have worked. Uh, I don't want to, I want, I desperately want to read it on the podcast, but I think it's more fair to just direct people to mm-hmm. the yeah. article at, at the website. Cause I think, I mean, they've got a, a newsletter there. There's some good articles here. I, I think people, if you're a fan of the show enough that you're listening to our podcast, you should probably also go sign up for their newsletter. Um, of course, Daniel Abraham being half of James S.A. Corey. 
And uh, there's a James S.A. Corey newsletter you can sign up for there, too. Great article. Again, DanielAbraham.com. Yeah. I definitely want to have him on the show at some point. Yeah. Just because yeah, but no, I, Lou- I feel like we would get lost in, the, in half science, half world building conversation. Both he and Ty Frank are just be awesome, incredible man. to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no, Lou, you are absolutely 100% on the ball about that. And, and it kind of lost me too. It looked pretty, but I'm like, hmm. ah, yeah, that it was the first time I remember like, feeling out of sorts with the TV show. And, and, and likewise saying, I mean, the TV show does in this, when I finally read this article, I'm sure a lot of it kind of pertains to some of the other stuff in the show too, that, you just can't do in TV that you could do in a book. And I remember reading parts in the books that is just, I feel like I'm on the Rosinante. You know, it's like, I feel like I'm there with them doing the maneuvers and, and going through the stresses they're going through in combat. Um, cause it, it's written so well, you know, yeah. and obviously they can't translate that to, to, to screen, to screenshots, you know? Um, but Hey, well, I think that Naren's explanation of, what they should have done in hindsight makes a lot of sense. And I think it would have translated to screen pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. This is the type of thing that it's tricky. Mm. Yeah. So, but you know, again, a minor nitpick about what was, well, and it was enough of a nitpick that, you know, it, it did kind of jar you a little bit out of what was going on, but otherwise such an incredible episode. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So before we uh, wrap this one up, I just want to give you guys a chance to um, talk about any of the smaller details from this episode um, or anything book related that you want to discuss. Again, no spoilers for the books, but mm-hmm. um, anything like that. I want to give a shout out to who's the Alex uh, is played by Cass. Cass. Right. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I, I was getting him and, and uh, the other cast members correct. But I want to give a shout out to cast for that scene that we were just talking about with the holographic stuff. Um, when you've got something as an actor that's floating in midair and you have to pretend it's there and it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's a little tricky. And then when you have basically an entire room and you are specifically talking about tracking Things through this display spatially that's the ultimate nightmare of, of getting that to work and so part of it's the director who framed the shots well but part of it is also Cass and like where he has his eyes directed and focused I mean you're focusing on something two or three feet away from you that's not there you you actually have to like physically kind of trick your eyes into doing different things mm-hmm. and uh, I thought he did a really good job of that like to me as as wacky as the execution of that sequence ended up I was impressed with and it wasn't flawless and that's okay because it's it's nearly impossible to get flawless with that but he did a really good job yep of making it feel like he's actually looking at this hologram and tracking stuff around. Definitely. I I will say one more thing. Um, I was surprised that Naomi had a kid at some point in the past. Um, And maybe like 
maybe it's just me, but I feel like if she has, she said it, she looked for a long time for her son, I think it was, that went missing, um, or was taken away or something. So that would imagine that she's been around for a while, but it makes me, maybe it's just Dominique, but I feel like Naomi's not that old. And I don't know how old she's supposed to be. I don't even know how old Dominique is. But that that was a little odd for me to find out that not well, not necessarily that she had a kid, but that she had a kid. The kid went missing. She went looking for it, and now she's mm. had to deal with it for I'm assuming a a fair amount of time. Hmm. I don't know. It works for me. Yeah, that didn't bother me. As I mean, some of the characterizations and the actors they have playing them, you know, again, I hate to bring up the dead horse again, but, I mean, they're different than the book. I mean, in the book, Alex is supposed to be in his 50s. Um, you know, what? In, in, yeah, you mentioned these mid-50s, I think it was. Um, really? In, in I must one have missed that. Yeah, it was mentioned once briefly. I just came across it the other day when I was rereading, I think, book three. Wow, I completely and, missed that. And I was like, okay. okay, yeah, so that's different. I mean, um it works in the TV show. I mean, you know, the actors are fantastic doing this stuff, but I think we're going to find some of that stuff. And that was just one passing line that they'll probably never revisit. So it's not going to matter for the, for the TV show, but yeah, some of the stuff about, about Amy's back story. You're right. She does seem awful young to have what, you know, that kind of history so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she's been on the, on the camp really? for so long and she was there. And I mean, it, it seems like it was too much history packed into too short of a time based on her age. Okay, so I'm I'm on IMDb right now, and I know that there was recently a thing where they're trying to get actor and actresses' uh, dates of birth removed from IMDb for um, age discrimination issues, and I I'm I can understand that I'm sympathetic to that, but um, I guess I was kind of expecting to see a date of birth here, but so I'm going to say she's what late twenties. Yeah. I looked her up on just a quick Google search and, um, it looks like she's a, (laughs) (laughs) it looks like she's about four or five years older than me. So about 28, 29. Okay. So her character could easily be 30. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. So let's say she had a kid. And this is not, I'm not talking about the books. This is not spoilers. Don't, I'm, I'm just brainstorming off the top of my head here. So let's say she had a kid at 18. Okay. Let's say the kid went missing at 20, her age, 20. Mm -hmm. And she spent three or four years searching for this kid. Mm -hmm. So she still got six more years of, um, you know, getting on the uh, the Canterbury and and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that is true. Yeah, I, I mean, the I timing could work, could work, but but I agree with Chris. I just felt like she wasn't old enough to have had that much history. I guess. I mean, but you're right; the math does work. So mm-hmm. okay, I, I guess it. I guess it's part of it is me and that. I'm 24 years old, but sometimes I feel like I'm a lot younger than that just because I've not hit that age where I'm like, I must settle down right now. I must have children. That that concept seems, seems still very foreign to me. So, But you also have to keep in mind that 
people have children without yes consciously making a ch- like i i love our son um if everything were going to go ideally we had him after we were married a year i probably would have settled into our marriage a little bit more and and waited 3 years 4 years before trying to have kids so um you know he's a, a welcome addition to the family most days uh, uh, but he was a surprise. So, you know, we don't always know when, when that's going to happen. So she might not have been trying to settle down. She might not have been trying to start a family, but she ended up having a family anyway. Yeah. That is true. So I don't know. I guess I, I don't see what you guys are seeing, but I guess I can understand and how you could but like for me it's like that just never even i'm like yeah no she totally could have had a Mm. kid and totally could have lost the kid and totally could have spent a long time looking for the kid and totally have now moved on to the life that she's in at the moment i i never gave it a second thought it makes sense to me but i guess i could i mean she does seem um i think part of it is well for you, Chris. I think she's close enough to your age. I, I see a tendency for people with fiction to round a character up to where they're at, or round a character down to where they're at as mm-hmm. a viewer. So it could be a little bit of that. Lou doesn't have that issue in this case, uh, but I think Dominique's portrayal of the character. Combined with the writing of the character, there's a certain maturity that makes her seem like she's a lot older than she physically looks. Yes. That might be confusing the issue a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. But of course, that maturity has come through life experiences. Yeah. And Naomi has been through a lot of life experiences, presumably. So again, it fits. It makes sense. It's not that it, it's not something that's supported by the story or, or by the show. It's just I can see where that might skew the perspective a little bit because she seems like she has the level of wisdom of someone who would be in their 40s. Yeah, that is a good point. So I guess the conclusion here is that uh, I think that Dominique looks really good for her age. <laughs> <laughs> So she, now you're making it sound like she is older and just looks younger. <laughs> when we get her on the podcast, I'm going to call you out, dude. Hey, I'm going to I'll I'll compliment her. Well, but my point is she might not take that as a compliment. What do you mean I look really good for my age? How old do you think I am? I'm not in my 40s. <laughs> well, I mean she like she looks younger than uh being in late 20s. So wouldn't that okay. be, be a compliment, right? Yeah, so. that that would be. If not, then I'm out of touch with society. No, I I just want to see you have to backpedal is all. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least I'm not calling her a bus driver, right? Uh yeah, we can get on that whole Star Wars Rebels thing. <laughs> oh, wow, here we go. Yeah, we're going to have to hunt down Vanessa Marshall at Celebration, Lou. That's why I'm going to get her autograph at Celebration and have her sign at the bus driver. <laughs> <sighs> that would be funny. Oh, man. She said it to Lou from the bus driver. all right any last words guys about this episode before we close this out Mm, nothing else other than the fact that i'm looking forward to episodes 12 and 13 
I'm I'm just upset that we're getting 12 and 13 right before a, a big convention. Yeah. Well, the, the timing. Wait, sucks. we're getting we getting both next week. Well, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. We're we're getting one next week, and then we're getting one right after we come back. I mean, either way, right, right. It's it's great that this is such a good show that it's able to distract us from, you know, a big uh, biannual Star Wars convention. But yeah, you know, you know it's inconvenient too. You know, uh, next week when we're together, we may have access. Well, actually, we probably will have access to the finale. We might have to sit down and watch it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we'll get the finale on Wednesday yeah. for celebration, probably. I've, I've got plans for Wednesday. Yeah, and Thursday, and Friday, and <laughs> Saturday. and Yeah, so, so if you see me in a panel with my phone out, my headphones on, <laughs> I'm watching something on my phone. There you go. If I see that, I'm taking a picture. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So make sure you post it on on, on Twitter and tag sci-fi so I can maybe get a hat. Yeah, there you go. All right. So on the next episode of Crash Couch, we will be talking about the monster and the rocket. And I don't want to read it right now, but just seeing, um, just seeing the, uh, uh, one sentence synopsis for it here on Google. I'm intrigued and I really can't wait to watch it. So monster and the rocket. So if you have feedback about our show, um, there's a lot of different ways that you can get a hold of us. We have our, um, main email account. It's crashcouch at randomchatter.com. That goes to the three of us. So we will see it. And, uh, just remember, no spoilers, because I've not read the books. Just because you have does not give you the right to spoil it for me. <laughs> so, Lou, why don't you tell everyone about our social media? Oh, if I had my notes in front of me, I probably would. I, I am ill-prepared for this. <laughs> so let's see. Um, the Twitter for the show is uh, Crash Couch, at Crash Couch. Uh, where's our email address? Is it CrashCouch at RandomTravel.com? It is. Yep. See, I, see, I can I can wing some of this. Yeah, two for two. <laughs> Good job. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lusecki. That's L O U S E C K I. Uh, Chris, what's your Twitter account? I'm at the Curse of Chris. And Eric, what is yours? I'm at Eric Blythe. That's E R I K B L Y T H E. And you know, speaking of Eric, I'm going to have Uh-oh. you uh, tell people how they can support the show and the network. All right, sure. he gets the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> We'll I don't know. I've got to sell us. I, I, I <laughs> could be argued as being harder. Um, you know, we, we don't have uh, – someday we might have advertising and sponsors and, and such like that. But right now we don't. And so we rely on donations to help keep the, the entire network up and running. We've got a lot of shows at randomchatter.com. And uh, so we use Patreon because Patreon is a way that people can donate to help support the network. But it's also a way we can give something back. Um, the one thing we like to point out in each of the episodes that uh, is a benefit to those who decide to donate is our Slack community. And uh, we've got a lot of people who hang out there. There's a lot of different discussions going on at any given time, including several about the expanse. And, uh, but you know, we talk about television and movies and books and, and whatever. And, and star uh, Wars. And star Wars. Yeah. And uh, anybody who donates even so much as a dollar a month, 
gets access to this community and it's a great place to hang out. It, I know that it makes my work week go a lot faster. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. So anyway, I always try to promote that because I'm excited to have something of value that we can give back to the people who help support us and, and give us something of value. So I, I really like the Patreon allows us to do that. So if you'd like more information on that, head over to patreon.com slash random chatter. Yep. And one other way you can support us is by spreading the word about the uh, show and the network as a whole. Um, the expanse fandom from what I can tell is very active on social media, especially during live airings. So, um, Mention us at Crash Couch and don't forget to use the Expanse hashtag on, if you're uh, on Twitter. Um, we really have gotten a lot of our audience uh, just based on word of mouth. So um, we appreciate everyone who has already talked about us to their family or friends or coworkers. Um, but anything uh, that you'd like to um, tell your friends about would be great. Also, leave us reviews on iTunes. I can say that now because we have a feed. <laughs> thank you eric <laughs> you're welcome um so yeah if you want to subscribe to us on itunes i probably should have mentioned this at the top of the show but you can now do that uh, just search uh, crash couch on itunes and we will show up so leave us reviews there or whatever uh, podcasting app you use uh i think that's about it um you can find all of our shows at randomchatter.com so if you like the expanse you'll probably like something else that uh, is on our website um Eric and myself and Lou do a couple other shows, so if you like our voices, or if you hate our voices too, there's shows that we don't do, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, the music you hear in this podcast is Welcome to the End by Soul Dweller, which I, the, the more that I listen to the music in the show, the more I think just fits it perfectly. So good, good choice with that, Eric. Well, thank you. It, it's always easy to find good background music choices with Cell Dweller. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Crash Couch this week. We will be back next week. Uh, remember, there is no live tweet, unfortunately, because of celebration. But I will be back for the finale. Uh, so don't worry about that. So until then, take care, everyone. 